Hi, and thank you for listening in to the New Song Podcast from this week's service. You are welcome and encouraged to join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in person. And for more information on how to get involved with New Song, go to newsonglouisville.org and follow us on social media. And now for today's message. hope you have had a really rich and wonderful uh, Thanksgiving thus far. And I thought this morning we're getting ready to dive into part 10, believe it or not, of indestructible joy. And coming out of this, this weekend, we had all three of our kids at Thanksgiving. That was so much fun. And uh, so it also meant I had to stack up and, and get ready with some new dad jokes. So this morning, get ready. I got some groaners for you. You're going to love them. Some new hot off the press dad jokes that are just, you're just going to love them. So here we go. We're going to dive in, have a little bit of joy in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. So here we go. Why are piggy banks so wise? Anybody know why piggy banks are so wise? Because they're filled with common sense. That's why. That's why. So, hey, uh, what country's capital is uh, growing the fastest? Anybody know? Obviously, it's Ireland. Every day, it's Dublin. So... Yeah, I just want to give a shout out this morning to my fingers. Just want to give a shout out to my fingers because I can count on all of them. And that's a good thing, you know. I can't do all that math in my head like Mr. Bill back there. You know, some people say uh, that, you know, people say they, they pick their nose. But honestly, I feel like I was just born with mine. Oh, come on, guys. Give me a little bit of grace. Come on. (laughs) I started to hear groans lifting from the congregation. Oh, do you want a box for your leftovers? No, but I will wrestle you for them. Okay, okay. By the way, I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, singing in the shower is all fun and games until you get some soap in your mouth, and then it's a soap opera. You know what I'm saying? I've got a smart dog. His name's Odie, right? He's our French, French bulldog. I asked him the other day, what's two minus two? He said Nothing. So I told you he's smart. Anyway, we're going to dive in to indestructible joy today. Come on, you guys. Give me a little bit of, (laughs) a little bit of love. I know that was tough. I know it was painful, but you know, it's good to laugh or groan, whichever it may have been. So this morning we're diving into part 10 of our series called Indestructible Joy. We've been going through the book of Philippians, one of the greatest 
of Paul's epistles, one that has spoken to my heart so deeply through the years, and I pray it's speaking to your heart. We're taking a, a joy ride through the book of Philippians because it is absolutely enunciated throughout with this concept of rejoicing and having joy because Jesus is so firmly established in your heart. Every seven words, every seven words in the book, Paul is talking about rejoicing or rejoice or joy. And it's a powerful book to keep in mind today as the world just seems to be going through a lot of challenges. Today we're going to look at three words, three words that I want to really emphasize to you today. And they are these three words, obedience, everybody say obedience, obedience. Abandonment, abandonment, and rejoicing. Let's do it one more time. Obedience, Obedience. abandonment, abandonment, and rejoicing. Philippians chapter 2, oh, by the way, having an indestructible joy means having a joy that no matter what happens in your life, you continue to trust and praise God, knowing that God in no circumstance has the final word over your life. Can you say amen to that? So this morning, Philippians 2, starting in verse 12, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. How many of you feel like you might be living in the midst of that generation even as we speak? Amen to that. Among whom you, listen, shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I've not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together this morning. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' precious name. And we would ask the, the wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us and teach us from the word of God this morning. May your words, Lord, take root into our hearts. Lord, may we not just hear another message and walk out these doors and forget what we've heard. But today, Lord, may your, your word go deep and may it find good ground and may it root in and bring forth a fruitful harvest of a hundredfold. God, teach us today. We love you and we love your word. Your word is life. So speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 So it's very interesting. Paul begins here in Philippians chapter 2 by commending the Philippians' obedience. And he encourages them to continue to work out 
their own salvation. Now, let me just be clear from the get-go here. This is an interesting little phrase in the book of Philippians, right? And perhaps it's one that you've heard, you've wrestled with, you're not sure about. He doesn't say work for your salvation. Let's just be really clear about that. He's not saying work for your salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us very clearly, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He doesn't say, work for your salvation. And he doesn't say, also, work out other people's salvation. Did you notice that? So we're to work on our own salvation. We're good at working out other people's issues at times, aren't we? We you know, in love and care and a good heart. Sometimes we meddle a little bit. We get involved a little bit too much. If you have got, you know, young adult children, uh, you might know what I mean. You, you try to kind of intervene. You try to help them make the right decisions. You try to help them work out their salvation. But that doesn't always work so well. That's not what Paul is speaking to the Philippians about. And it's interesting, right? It reminds me of Peter and Jesus and John there toward the end of Peter's life. Peter, Peter is getting some instruction from Jesus about how his life is going to go. And, and Jesus gives him some pretty hard thoughts. And Peter turns to Jesus and says, but what about him? What about him over here? He's pointing to John, the beloved disciple. And Jesus says to Peter, what is it? What is that to you? You follow me. Okay, so let's make this real personal and real individual today that God wants each of us to work out our salvation, to work out our salvation, okay? This is not about you being saved. This is about you continuing, if you will, to be saved from yourself, from your fallen desires, your fleshly side of you that has to be crucified every day or it rises up to once again take dominance in your life. It is what we call generally the process of sanctification, that you, God's plan for you, God's desire for you, for me, for each of us, is that every day, and in every way, you and I would be becoming more like Jesus, that we're working out our salvation by, if you will, this is, this is an interesting term here in the passage, and it really kind of connotates with or, or, or describes an, an agricultural theme, if you will, like a harvesting, a harvesting as much as you possibly can from a field, now, I don't think many of us in the house are farmers. Maybe you've had a little garden in the backyard and you kind of have a sense of this, but I doubt you've harvested a big field and that kind of thing. But when you're harvesting, you're trying to glean as much as you possibly can from the field so that, in a sense, no kernel is left behind. 
And basically what Paul is saying here in this whole concept of working out your salvation is that you're to continue to work out your own salvation. You're to work to completion, if you will, as harvesting as much as possible from a bountiful field. Every one of us, our lives can be a bountiful field before the Lord if we will work out and do our part. God's doing his part if we'll do our part. Amen? And we'll look at that a little bit more. We're to work in order to get as much of Jesus' life and character as you possibly can in every circumstance of your life. And that's the obedience that Paul is talking about. I want all you have for me, Jesus. I, I want to give you my all. I want to surrender my all. I want your work to be done in me and through me. When I'm on the mountaintop and when I'm in the valley, Lord, I want all you have for me. I want you to work out your salvation, your sozo, your transforming power in me in such a way that I'm becoming more like you. Let me give you some quick observations about obedience because we're going to spend most of our time this morning talking about this concept of obedience because it's so important. Humility paves the way for true obedience before the Lord. The passage starts with, you. if you notice there in, in our, our passage today, it starts with that word again, therefore. And it's because it's, it's connecting the former passage, which we, we spent a couple of weeks on, the humility of Christ. That Jesus took the form of a bondservant, that you and I are to take the form of a bondservant, that Paul sees himself as a bondservant of Christ, someone who's willingly relinquished their rights, their power, their privilege to serve fully Jesus. That's the attitude of humility that quite honestly paves the way for obedience before the Lord. If humility paves the way, then we can look at the flip side again as we did a couple of weeks ago and say that pride questions the way of obedience. Pride questions the way of obedience. You might think of Pharaoh in the Old Testament who rose up against Moses and said these very words, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? He found out the hard way, didn't he? And by the way, obedience brings blessing. Let me say that again because that is, is really the heart of what I want to convey to you today. Obedience brings blessing. It just does. At the birthing and the forming of the, the nation of Israel, the word obey is used again and again and again in the book of Deuteronomy as God is setting things forth for his people. There's, there's this constant refrain of the word obey. In fact, in all the books of the Bible, obey is used second most in the book of Deuteronomy than any other book. Anybody want to guess what the first book that the word obey is used in? You might, you might uh, this is a good little trivia question for you this morning. You get this one and I'll, I'll treat you to lunch today. 
her Genesis now? First or second John? No. Isaiah. Okay, people are starting to just throw out lots of answers. I better, I better tell you the answer before I have to spring for lunch here. Uh, it's the book of Jeremiah. It's the book of Jeremiah. Let, let me explain it real quick because it's very interesting, right? Because when God's laying out foundational truth for his people as he's forming the, the people of God, the nation of Israel... He uses the word obey again and again and again because obedience brings blessing. We'll look at that here in just a moment. But it's very interesting because the most times the word obey is used is used in the book of Jeremiah and it's used in a little different context because Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is talking about if you had have obeyed, if you would have obeyed. You didn't obey me. And, and, and the book of Jeremiah is leading to the fact that disobedience brings God's stiff and stern correction. So the word is used the most times there because in all honesty, their disobedience is leading them now into a place of captivity. So God's speaking to the, to the newly birthed nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Ah, love this passage. I've loved this passage for a long, long time. I'm going to read you a pretty good portion of Scripture here this morning. I'm going to try not to forget my slides so I can pass through them with you. But listen, if you will, to the reading of God's Word and receive it, if you will, just the importance of obedience and the result, if you will, of what obedience brings. I want you to notice, I want you to notice the word blessed throughout this passage. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 13. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. How many of you think, by the way, being overtaken by blessings sounds like a pretty good thing? It does to me too. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in Louisville. Amen. And blessed shall you be in the country, in the United States of America or wherever. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, your children, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your hands or your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. In other words, what you've set your hands to, the work that you put your hands to. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. I don't know about you, but I love, I love terms like this because they're, they're just, just all-inclusive language, right? When are you blessed? I'm blessed when I come in, and I'm blessed when I go out. That kind of includes everything, doesn't it? That's kind of like, okay, you're just, you're just blessed all the time, aren't you? I like that. I like that. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. 
The Lord will command, listen to this, command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord, your God, is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord, there's obedience again, of the Lord your God, and walk in his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure. Anybody want that opened in your life, his good treasure? Oof, that sounds very good to me. The heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. There's another one of those all-inclusive. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. Can you say amen to all those blessings and God's heart for his obedient people? Can you say amen to that? Yeah. Obedience brings God's blessings. And, and, and I got to tell you, this is not just an Old Testament example. This is not just a part of the Old Covenant. In fact, I would, I would even go so far to maybe challenge you this morning, and, and I know some of you might throw out an answer or two here, but can you really show me anywhere in God's Word where obedience doesn't bring blessing? I don't, I don't, I don't think you can. Because I, I think it is, it is such a part of the heart of God. If we obey him, there's blessing that ensues. It's not just an Old Testament thing. Here's what Jesus says. And if you don't believe Jesus, um, then I, I, I just can't help you folks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, I want to talk about this just for a minute because maybe you've never seen this. Maybe you've never connected these dots, and you should. How many of you here would say with me, Pastor Jeff, one of the things that I long for that I that I live for, that I desire deeply is, is really to have more intimacy and closeness and, and, and experience in a greater way the Holy Spirit's power and presence in my life. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a major heart cry for me. I want you to see here, Jesus said, if you love me and you keep my commandments... I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Do you see that obedience 
is tied to truly experiencing the helper, the Holy Spirit's presence and activity in your life? I don't know that I've ever seen anybody throughout my time as a Christian who was walking in radical disobedience who was just overflowing with the Holy Spirit's power and presence. Obedience is tied to even experiencing the Holy Spirit's power and presence in your life. This is huge, folks. No one who lives... A radically disobedient life is overflowing with the Spirit. Look at what Acts chapter 5 says. Jesus said, and we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who, what? Obey him. Obedience is a pretty big issue in Jesus' eyes. I one time had a had a gentleman that I was having lunch with. He was a he was a strong part of the church and and a good friend. But he <clears throat> he had a hang up and I could never get him over it. He um, he basically said to me at lunch one day, "What kind of friend is Jesus if I have to if I have to obey him in order for him to be my friend?" And I could, never, I could never get him to see the, the fallacy of his thinking. Could we just put it this way uh, without going into too much on that topic? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We absolutely owe our allegiance and our obedience to him fully. And if I, if I want to treat him just like a buddy and not really treat him like the Lord that he is, I think I might be missing a little something. But we've really emphasized, haven't we, the friendship with Jesus thing over the last number of years. And sometimes in people's hearts and minds, it gets a little bit out of sway, doesn't it? Obedience is the key to experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Where there is unrepentant, ongoing disobedience, there will be, according to Scripture, a grieving and a quenching of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, maybe you've heard these two terms. I want to dive in and kind of give you a little more explanation to them today, maybe more than you've heard or thought before. Let me just try to, 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 to teach into this a little bit and help you understand this a little bit. Grieving, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you're doing something you shouldn't. When you're quenching the Holy Spirit, you're not doing something you should. Either way, disobedience to the Lord limits the work of the Spirit in our lives. Let's look at grieving just a little bit more. Here's where we get that passage, right? Here's where we get the concept of grieving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32, and it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. This is something you and I can do, and sometimes we do this not even realizing what we're doing. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. These are believers he's talking to. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you 
along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the context here that Paul, also Paul is talking about, he's talking about words, he's talking about speech, he's talking about the way we treat one another. He's saying basically that unloving conduct toward other people, things that that cut off good relationship, it, it, it literally means to make sorrowful, to cause grief, to affect with sadness, to offend, or to make one uneasy. When we talk that way, when we treat others that way, when the Holy Spirit says no and we fall into yes by doing these very things, he says, no, don't say that. Don't look at that. Don't do that. And we, in our stubbornness, in our disobedience, just bulldoze right ahead and do it. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. But let me just give you maybe the closest comparison. As, as with our spouses, you've just compromised the intimacy of the relationship in that moment of disobedience. And you're going to need to repair it. Does that make sense, church? Yes, it does. That's what grieving the Holy Spirit is. When the Holy Spirit says no and you say yes, how about quenching? First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. We talked about this last week. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. The context here is a, is a movement, if you will, towards joy, toward prayer, toward thankfulness, toward allowing and receiving prophecy within the context of the, the gathering of the body of Christ. And in, in, in when he's talking about quenching, it literally means to extinguish, put the fire out, to, to suppress, to, if you will, stifle divine influence. So the way we put this one, right, and it's the, the reverse of what we talked about with grieving, when the Holy Spirit says yes, yes to rejoicing always, Yes to praying without ceasing. Yes to giving thanks in all circumstances. Yes to the prophetic being released for the the building and the blessing and the comforting of the body of Christ. And we say no. It's like anybody, have you ever, have you ever, uh, you're out, you're out in your garden or you're out in your yard and you've got your water hose and you're watering things, and, you know, you've been sitting here for a minute, you've been watering this plant, and suddenly you're going, oh, man, I'm giving a little too much water. But you don't have one of those cool little things on the end of your hose, so you take the hose and you crimp it. What's it do? Cuts off the flow of the water, doesn't it? Maybe there's a little bit coming out, but it's not much now because you've crimped the hose. That's exactly what happens when we quench 
the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's saying yes to something and we make a choice that says no, it's like crimping the hose, the flow stops. How do we respond to either grieving or quenching? Our response should be in repentance to God for not allowing his Holy Spirit to move in and through us the way he desires. John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keep them, it's he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. I, I, I love this verse. You should love this verse. This verse is the bomb, folks. This is an amazing verse. John 14, 21. Write it down, highlight it, circle it, whatever you need to do. Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Amen. Do you know what Jesus just said to you? Do you know the promise that he just made to you? That, that if you would obey his commandments and keep them, he's going to love you. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father. The Father's love will be poured out extravagantly. And, and here's what I want to get to. And I'll love him and I'll manifest myself to him. It's the word in Greek, emphanizo. It's like, it's like the, the word emphasis. Emphasis. I will, I will emphasize myself to him. You, you, could, you could say it this way. This, these, are, these are Greek definitions from, from, from Strong's and Thayer's. I, I will exhibit myself to view. I, I will show you myself in a way you haven't seen me before. I will give evidence of my presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. I will present myself to the sign of another I'll show myself. I'll come into view. Here's the one I really like. I will cause myself to shine in you. But it's all attached to obedience. How many of you getting the idea? Obedience is pretty, pretty important in God's heart. You, you want to know Jesus better and better and better? There's only one way. You keep obeying Jesus. You keep saying yes to Jesus. You want to sense Jesus' presence in your life. You want to have those times where you're alone with God and you feel so overwhelmed with the love of God. You feel so much of his presence around you. You feel like liquid waves of love are just flowing over you. You obey Jesus. Obey him. That is the key. And that is what we as his church in this perverse and crooked world need more than anything. I, I'm willing to say to you this morning, there's probably no spiritual discipline 
that's more effective and more powerful than cultivating the presence of Jesus in your personal life. Obedience brings greater manifestation and revelation of Jesus in your life. That alone is enough reason to obey. But God adds on top of that just a whole other load of blessing, if you will. Charles Stanley, who passed away this year, great man of God, First Baptist, Atlanta, Georgia, put it this way, the bottom line in the Christian life is obedience. And most folks don't like that word. Wow. Good way to put it, Charles. Let me give you some attitudes in obedience this morning. Attitudes in obedience. Bottom line, if you obey God and you work out your own salvation, you're going to be blessed. You're going to know Jesus deeper and you're going to experience the Holy Spirit greater. By the way, in, the, in that passage where it's talking about work out your own salvation, for it is God who works in you is what Scripture says. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. I mean, this is, this is kind of amazing stuff, awesome stuff, gracious stuff, really kind stuff from God's heart. Christianity, by the way, isn't about ups and downs. It's about ins and outs. It's not about ups and downs. It's about ins and outs. We can work out our own salvation because God is working in us to obey him. Let me say that again. You can work out your own salvation because God is working in you to obey him. It's, it's, it's if you will, divine cooperation. God partnering with you. God working with you. You do your part, God will do his part. That word working in us is the word energeo. It's God's energy and God's power at work in us to assist us. In other words, we're not called to obey and then left to ourselves. God's energy in us empowers us to obey him. I mean, here's the scenario. It's the opportunity to obey and sometimes God will call you to stuff that will just frighten the, the you know, frighten the, the what will frighten me? What, what? <laughs> the bejibbers right out of you, you know? I don't know. I can't even think of a word. It will just scare the snot right out of you, right? There's a good Kentucky expression, a redneck one, I guess. But uh, it will be too much for you in your own. You'll look at it and go, I could never do that. I, I, well, I can't even imagine doing that. But you have to trust and cooperate with God's own power that's at work in you. You've got to step out in obedience. Salvation gets worked out of us as we obey him. We, we grow that much more. We become conformed into Christ's image. Obedience is about cooperation. It's an operation that God's doing on the inside of you as you say yes to him. And this morning, where do you need to obey God? I, I just, I want to ask each of you, just where, where do you need to obey God and work something out because he's working in you? Let me just give you a few things in, 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 in closing here. Attitude and obedience. Verse 12, it says, with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. 
Remember who's asking. It's a loving father that's asking you to, 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 to obey him. One of the sayings that over the years has been very helpful to me is my obedience up to date before God. Is my obedience up to date. Listen, long, long ago, let me, just, let me just give you a thought or two here. Sometimes I think we're, sometimes I think we miss God because we, we don't just obey him wholeheartedly. And what I, what I mean by that is um, long ago, God called me to serve him. And I, I've, been, I've been seeking to serve him with all of my heart ever since. I don't have to get up every day and go, God, do you still want me to serve you? 30 plus years ago, he called me to serve him, to lay my life down in obedience to him. I, I don't have to ask him to show me that again and again. Hang with me. Yeah. 30 plus years ago, God called me to go into all the world to preach the good news and make disciples. I don't have to constantly ask the Lord, do you, do you want me to go into all the world and preach the good news and make disciples? I already know there's a big neon flashing sign over my life, go. Whether it's to this neighborhood, which I've walked through these houses many, many times, or whether it's to the Congo. I, I know God's called me to go. I, I count it a privilege and an honor that for over 30-some years, I've had the privilege of going in his name to at least one nation of the world every year. He's called me. I don't have to keep asking him. I just need to obey him. I, I know he's called me to love my wife as Christ loves the church. I don't have to get up every day and go, now, Lord, how would you want me to treat this woman you've given me? Sometimes she's a pain. I don't know how, how to deal with her at times, Lord. Sometimes she's strange. She does things I wouldn't do. He told me to love her as Christ loves the church, to lay my life down for her. I don't have to keep asking that. Now, here's how one friend of mine put it long ago. Some of us as Christians need to get the let out. We're waiting constantly to be led of the Lord, led of the Lord. Oh, Pastor Jeff and Tracy are taking a trip to Nicaragua this summer. I wonder if I should go. Go read Matthew 28. It'll tell you the answer to that. Oh, Pastor Jeff's talking about, talking about laying his life down in service to his wife. I wonder if I should do that. Go read, go read Ephesians chapter 5. You'll find out God's will for you there. And just do it. Just, is this making sense? The, the Bible, well, we just looked at a verse that said, be tenderhearted and forgiving and kind to one another. Do you think I got to get up every day and go, now, Lord, would you, would you want me to be kind to people today? I mean, do, do I really need to be tenderhearted and forgive again today? Yes, Jeff, it's my will for your life. What about giving thanks on all things, Lord? Isn't that just for Thanksgiving? No, it's for every day, son. Practice it. Obey me. I think so many times 
We're looking for the will of God in our lives. When so much of the will of God's already been revealed, if we would just really focus on that, he'll open up the other things. Can I get an amen to that? Do what he's said. And let me just give you some, some results of obedience. Blameless, harmless, faultless children in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. By the way, it's possible, it is possible to obey God in the midst of a perverse world. Amen. You know why? Because God's big enough. Not everybody has to fall to sin and shame and disgrace. Some people can continue to hang on to Jesus and can continue to serve him wholeheartedly to the end. Amen for that? Many of you in this place, if you'll obey Jesus and just set your sights to obey him day after day, you're going to finish well. Glory to God. That should be your goal, to finish well and to hear those words at the end of your life. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then guess what? This is so cool, right? Shine as lights. Shine as lights. I pray over us most Sundays. God, let your face shine upon us and let your light shine through us. Shine as lights. We're to shine as lights in this dark world around us so that we can light and lead the way for those who are lost in darkness. And I'll tell you, some Sundays I get so overwhelmed and I get so sad and I cry because these seats are empty and those seats are empty and there's a whole lot of people out there wandering in darkness that you and I need to reach out to and draw into God's house. There's another one that's God's will for you, right? Nowhere, nowhere in God's word does it say, does it say that lost people are to come to God's house? But there's a whole lot of places where it says we're to go to them. Doesn't it? How many of us are obeying that? If you're leaving that all to me, I'm not capable of doing it all on my own. Shine your light, church. Light the way and lead the way for those who are lost and groping in darkness. And I'm telling you, we're living in a day and a time where the harvest is ripe. Do you believe it? The world desperately needs lights. I want to talk just for a moment about abandonment. I'm not going to go very long here. God's called all of his followers to live obedient lives. Paul says in verse 17 of our passage in Philippians 2 today that he poured his life out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. In other words, Paul's abandoned his rights and he's abandoned the rights to his life in order to have it poured out sacrificially so others could grow in their faith. I believe God's called all the followers of Jesus to live a life 
of sacrificial abandonment. If you're trying to get everything in this life, you need to examine that before the Lord. We're called to lay down our lives. Yes, there's blessings. Yes, abundant blessings. But sometimes we get caught up, don't we, in chasing after those blessings rather than chasing after the Lord himself. He knows how to bless you. He knows how to take care of you. If you'll seek his kingdom first, he'll take care of all the rest of that. And all the things that sometimes we think are blessings aren't necessarily blessings. Matthew 16, Jesus says, anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then Paul ends this passage today with rejoicing. Verses 16 through 18, Paul rejoices. He rejoices in two main things, actually, in the Philippians' growth. I pray every day, I pray every day that you guys, here's, here's how the Lord's put it on my heart as a reason to pray for you. I pray that you would thrive in God, that you, you would flourish in God, that your lives would flourish in him. There's, there's something to the abundant life. It's, just, it's about flourishing in every area. It's not about having more and more and more of the world's things. It's about having more and more and more of his peace and his presence and his power and his joy and all those things that money can't buy. Amen? Amen. That's what I just pray over you guys daily. Paul's rejoicing over the Philippians' growth, that his labor for them wasn't in vain, that they were obeying and they were growing in the Lord. And then he rejoices in the day of Christ. What's that mean? He, he understands eternity is ahead and that he's going to stand before Jesus and he's going to see what his obedience and sacrificial abandonment produced. That's going to be all worth it. Paul looked past the temporary cost to the eternal reward. He rejoiced while obeying Jesus and sacrificially abandoning his life for others. Come on, church, let's join him in truly following Jesus. Amen. Do you bow your heads? Lord, speak to our hearts today. Do your word. Holy Spirit, what would you say to us this morning? Maybe there's some areas that you're just pinpointing in our lives that need, that need growth. Lord, just point it out. Maybe there's some areas where we've been disobedient and maybe we hadn't even realized it until this moment. Just show us. Maybe there's some people around us that if we reached out to them and invited them, they'd come. Just quicken that to our hearts, Lord. Maybe there's some areas that we need to lay some things down 
in sacrificial obedience and abandonment to you, Lord. Lord, just speak to us. That we might obey you in all things. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Can you stand with me today? Can you give the Lord praise in this place today? He's good. Amen. He is so good. His word is so good. Lord, go with us now. Let your face shine upon us and let your light shine through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.